1: Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. Like the receding tide foreshadowing an impending tsunami, the L.A. Chargers toyed with the Pittsburgh Steelers for one half, allowing them to run out past the safety of the beach and gleefully pick through the treasures on the exposed seabed, only to rush back in the second half with a tidal wave of fury, burying the home team like Egyptians chasing the Israelites across The Red Sea. It's December 3rd, 2018, episode 68. This is Tom in the Washington, D.C. outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston outpost. This morning's hangover from the Steelers' 33-30 loss uh, to the Chargers was rivaled only by my introduction to tequila during my freshman year at a poker game at Kent State University. I have to say my sleep was delayed until that last field goal passed to the uprights. And it was exacerbated as my mind tried to wrap itself around the whiplash that we had just experienced. So I am going on no sleep this
0: evening. I can only imagine you being in college that the quality of that tequila rivaled the quality of the Steelers gamesmanship yesterday, meaning that it was very poor and thus to uh, adding to your hangover.
1: Yeah, that, that was a little tough to take, although it wasn't like Literally, it was a last-second loss that that was coming at us like a tsunami, and was predictable.
0: Yeah, and like uh, Kent State isn't known for their tequila, I guess Pittsburgh. Well, they are known for winning big games like that at home, and that's just why it made it. Uh, that's what made it so much worse. I want to not let only you are they
1: known for winning big games, but they're known for never having lost a game when they were up by sixteen at the half. What 14. was the statistic? Fourteen. So the
0: Steelers. The statistic that's ringing through my mind, it's tattooed on the inside of my brain. It's like that movie Memento when he has all those tattoos over his body and he doesn't know what they mean. Uh, I know what it means, but it's just as maddening in the same way. And I feel like I can't get it out of the inside of my eyelids. Whenever I close my eyes, I just see the statistic, which is the Steelers were 220 and 0. And two ties. 220 and 0 and 2 at home when winning by 14 points until last night. So now they're 221 and 2. And the loss feels as bad as that statistic looks. And I got to tell you guys, let's be glad that we're doing this podcast now and not 20 hours ago because it's taken me 20 hours to be able to speak at this decibel volume about the game, which is so maddening. And we should really start with, uh, with our first point, which is very similar to the episode we brought you last week. And it's the Steelers should have blown out the Chargers. This game shouldn't even have been close. A game that was 23 to seven at halftime uh, featured, yes. There are some major penalties that weren't called on two of LA's touchdowns and on their uh, their first three field goal attempts to win the game. At the end, they called a penalty that wasn't really there. The refs were a big part of the story, but it's besides the point because the Steelers had so many chances to put the nail in the coffin and end the game, and they just couldn't do it. Steelers started the first half fantastic. Started out to what should have been a fourteen zero lead right away ended up being a 13-0 lead because Chris Boswell decided to miss extra points again Um, but you know so many opportunities for the Steelers Ben misses Hunter on the easiest pass even Blake Bortles might be able to hit a Okay, I don't want to be hyperbolic. <laughs> that could be crazy. Blake Bortles. But I could have hit it left-handed. Ben could have definitely hit it left-handed. Maybe if he did that, he wouldn't have overthought it so much. Um, also, another turnover near the red zone. And some luck and, honestly, some balls that bounced San Diego's way. But overall, Steelers totally choked in the second half, only scoring seven points in their defense, pretty much squandering every opportunity in a, in a clutch moment to end a game that they should have won by at least 16 to 20 points.
1: Yeah, the first half was overwhelming. When you look at the statistics, the Chargers had precisely two, count them two, net yards rushing. They were uh, two for seven in third down efficiency. The Steelers were rolling, 50% third down efficiency, 218 yards. Um, what, What do you say?
0: So it opened up sort of in a familiar way for us Steelers fans when you see these primetime home games the Steelers have such a good record I think the Seahawks are the only team over the last 3 to 5 years who have a better record than the Steelers in primetime games and it's just barely uh, better it's not even they have I think they both have 22 wins they just have a better winning percentage and then the Patriots are behind both of us so starts out uh, the Chargers go down the field, they miss a field goal, and the Steelers actually get the ball past their own 20-yard line, which isn't really a theme for this season or much of the rest of the game, but they start you know, near their 40. It was a 52-yard field goal that the Chargers attempted, and they went right down the field, including with a bomb to A.B. Wi-Fi was lit up last night. A.B. ends up having almost about 120 yards and a touchdown in the first half So they go right down the field, they score from one yard out with James Conner. Then the Chargers get the ball back, they have to punt, Steelers actually block the punt, get good field position once again, capitalize on that, score another touchdown. So it looked like another one of these occasions like we saw against the Panthers or like we saw against the Chiefs a couple years ago. When you come to Heinz Field in prime time, you're not going to have a good time. And everything was hunky-dory. And then it all kind of turned around, especially towards the end of the I don't remember when the first Chargers touchdown pass was. I, I think it was in the that second quarter, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, it was sort of when a turning point happened. They couldn't get anything going. And then everybody knows by this point, you know, this comes out on Tuesday. The Chargers they've had this happen to them twice this year. And where one of their Offensive lineman false starts so egregiously early that a lot of the Steelers players kind of took it easy, including cornerback Mike Hilton. The referees did not call the false start, and they get a basically a free forty-seven yard touchdown pass. And Mike Tomlin was flipping out. The Steelers fans were flipping out. And Mike said at halftime that the refs apologized to them. They said, "We missed it. We're sorry." And you know, like I said, penalties aren't an excuse for losing that game, but until that point, the Steelers had stopped the chargers from doing everything that they wanted to do.
1: yeah, I know we don't like to point to the rest for a loss, but let's face it those weren't those weren't penalties led to a drive that led to a touchdown. Those were penalties that had they been called would have negated the touchdown and you and I were talking earlier this afternoon about well you know the guy the guy uh went in motion early but it didn't affect the play which is true but it doesn't matter the fact he moves meant they would have negated the play moved the back five yards and done it again and the same thing with the um the block in the back now i will say will he would he have got who got blocked in the back was it um brian allen and he was the
0: gunner and he was definitely if he wasn't going to tackle him he was going to at least slow him down, and you would find it very difficult to believe that he would have scored on that play. It's such a common penalty. It's annoying. You see it in the NFL at least once a game. It's when the gunners are coming down to attack the punt returner, and the guys who are defending the gunners on the returning team, they end up pushing one of them in the back because they don't want their guy to get lit up. It's one of the easiest, most routine penalties to call, and it has a huge implication on the play. So yeah, those were big time.
1: Especially when they, when the defender throws his hands up and said, I didn't yeah. do it signaling that i in fact did push this guy in the back please don't
0: notice me it's basically two hands up saying i did it i did i I, I did it i give up yeah basically so i mean i guess now that we're talking about the penalties we can sort of get that out of the way so those were the two big ones then on the field goal that the chargers missed to win the game this one's brutal man and and like i said i I just want to keep reiterating this we're going to talk about the penalties really quick because they're very topical and we kind of just naturally got to this point but uh, I do not ex- I do not use that as an excuse for the Steelers losing this game because they had so many opportunities that they didn't capitalize, which we'll get into. But anyways, the Chargers uh, try to make a pretty much chip shot field goal to win the game. The dude misses it, and I don't know if it was Artie or Hayden. I think it was Hayden who gets called for being offsides. Well, it's all over the internet. We all know what happened at this point. The Chargers' long snapper pretty much double-clutched the ball. He spun the ball a little bit before he actually snapped it. He- The instant the center moves the ball in any way, an inch. You've seen Marquise Pouncey called this for this over the years. If you move in an inch, the play has started. And for all you care, all your linemen can stay down and your players can go crush them. And that's legal because you are not allowed to move the ball. So Warren Sharp, awesome statistician, analytics guy who uh, tweets a lot and writes some some awesome books on football. He posted a great breakdown of this on Twitter if you want to check it out. It's at Sharp Football. I think, is his handle. But they slow it down to slow motion. The guy spins the ball. Joe, um, uh, TJ Watt, and I believe Artie uh, go after the guy, and he misses the kick. Well, the Cleveland Browns linebacker – what's his name? Joe, Joe Schmo, Joe Sherbert. W- I've been talking about this so much today. I'm literally – My brain is dumping everything out of it. But Joe Schobert it's probably wrong still. Anyways, Browns linebacker tweeted when that had happened that when the Browns had played the Chargers, he actually warned the refs that the the Chargers long snapper was doing this and drawing people off sides. And as we know, it's illegal. The refs told him, oh, that guy's been doing that pretty much his whole career. He pretty much just gets away with it. Are you kidding me?
1: That's all you have to do.
0: Yeah, is that sort of
1: reporting? You just report eligible. You report and say that I actually, I actually commit this penalty (laughs) each time. Is that is that cool?
0: It's actually encouraging because we all figured that Artie Burns is his playing career might be done after this year. But if he just keeps committing pass interference, he might be okay because at that point the refs can just say, "I'm I'm sorry, Keenan Allen, that guy. He just does it every time. We just pretty much let it go."
1: This is like COO basketball in third grade where nothing is called because you know they, they can't help it. It's fine. We don't want to slow the game down.
0: Yeah, CYO. so that those are the three big penalties. And there were a few other ones that were ticky-tack here or there, but those especially being on scoring plays. And then you add it to the fact that the Chargers' other only other touchdown was a play where Joe Hayden made a perfect play on the ball to, to intercept it, which I didn't even realize the Steelers were allowed to do, intercept the ball on defense, that is. And Sean Davis would have actually made a nice play. No, he couldn't let it happen. He came in and absolutely lit up. Not Keenan Allen. Yep, Joe Hayden, who was picking off the ball. I don't know why. You can't tell me he he didn't realize he was going for the ball. But he lit him up, and the ball bounces up right into Keenan Allen's hand for a touchdown. And those are super fluky plays. And we talked about that. And what I mean by fluky, you know, some people might – They might want to be haters. They might want to tell us you're just being homers. You're making excuses for your team. A, refer back to point A. I'm going to get into why this is the Steelers' fault later. But what I mean by fluky plays is how many of those touchdowns is Keenan Allen going to have in his career? I mean, two? I feel like he's had one before. But those don't come around very often. You can't rely on those, right? Like in the way that you can rely Ben hitting A, B in the corner of the end zone. You've seen that plenty of times. So, All three of the touchdowns from the Chargers came with a bit of an asterisk, whether it was an egregious missed penalty or just a lucky bounce of the ball. If you look at it from that direction, the Steelers actually had a similar experience that they had against the Broncos in which they more or less outplayed the other team and kind of got lucky, unlucky on some fluky occasions. Now, the difference is here, like I've been saying ad nauseum. In the second half, the Steelers had had plenty of chances to stop, and they didn't. And so now they've dug themselves into a little bit of a hole going forward. So,
1: uh, looking ahead, as far as the playoffs goes, we we are just moving down the ladder of the, the sort of the playoff ladder. Yeah, from a from an actual seed above the four seed, and uh, working our way backward.
0: Pretty much. So we started in that number two seed before that Broncos game. I thought. It would be difficult for us to hold on to that just with the char with the chargers and the saints and the patriots coming up through the schedules and some of the other teams, uh, like the ones I mentioned, and then of course the chiefs having a little bit of an easier road ahead of them. Figure that two seat would be hard to hang on to, thought it would last more than a week though. Uh, so we gave it up against Denver, and now we're moving all the way down to the four seat at this point with Baltimore only. One half game behind us. So at this point, it's, it's going to be almost impossible to get the number one through three seed in the playoffs because the, the Pats, the Chiefs, um, and, and the Texans have easier roads kind of going ahead. Texans are, are red hot winning nine in a row. Uh, they don't strike me as an invincible team. They've had a nice bounce with the schedule, but they're good on offense and defense. That's a story for another time. Ravens are right behind the Steelmen, and uh, I thought earlier that the Ravens had an easier schedule, but I do see that they play the Chiefs in Kansas City this week, and I want to say they play the Chargers as well. So it's not a cakewalk for them. Steelers still have a decent chance to finish at least that half game above the Ravens if they beat the, the the Raiders and the Bengals. But look, they could even lose this division; they could slide all the way down to the sixth seed. And if they really lay an egg, they could be out of the playoffs altogether.
1: You know, I just sort of, I I remember our discussion about what this team was going to be like during preseason. We didn't feel that it was better than 2017. As a matter of fact, we thought the loss of Ryan Chazier meant that we were experiencing a downgrade. And I think through the first uh, games, other than the two losses, the defense was playing above, uh, not above the line, but sort of above its punching weight. Mm-hmm. For various reasons. I think some of the some of the quarterbacks we played just didn't figure out that you should just throw the ball down the middle to your tight end. I did an analysis of the, the quarterbacks we faced, and I know uh pro football focus isn't the be all and end all, but it's a way to quantify what we what we faced. And we only we only faced two top ten quarterbacks in the first part of the season and that was um, Patrick Mahomes and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So we lost to one, we uh and somehow we lost to Joe Joe Flacco. But when you start facing a real quarterback like Phillip Rivers, I think Phillip Rivers had a doppelganger in there in the first half. He didn't do much, but, man, he came out and he had the Steelers figured out in the second half. And that's what the Steelers are facing in the last third of the season. Derek Carr, I know we're going to talk about Oakland in a second, but Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and and the Red Rifle for Cincinnati, I think those are going to be – that's tough for the Steelers' defense to – defend against
0: the red rifle. He's out for the season, luckily. So we're going oh, against his back. So that does help. Now that, that just <laughs> happened last week. So no offense to you for not paying attention to the most worthless organization in all of professional sports, the Cincinnati. I have another name for them that I won't say here on the podcast. Um, but I got a little outline in front of here, in front of us here. I've talked about this so much. Talked to Pete, Butch, talked to Andre, talked to a bunch of different people today. Um, but, uh, it, you kind of spurred me to want to talk about something else which is you were just talking about the defense and we should move on to that and the biggest problem with the defense is what we told you it was before a they don't have a lot of people they don't have any difference makers we can't we have no turnovers in three games i'm not counting the tj watt sack fumble against blake bortles on a desperation Hail mary situation at the end of the jaguars games we've played like crap should have lost the jaguars game honestly we know that they put us back into that It was a great victory for the Steelers to show that kind of character to bounce back. But honestly, that victory had a little bit more to do with their ineptitude, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, rather than our uh, ability to turn it around. I do give Steelers credit for that, but that's kind of how it goes. Similar to how the next week when the Broncos beat us, it was more due to our ineptitude rather than their talent. And then obviously, tale of two halves again yesterday, absolutely blew it. So we played terrible for three games, completely unable to take away the ball. And then Keith Butler, he's just shown exactly what we told you guys in the preseason. He is not qualified to be an NFL defensive coordinator. I realized that he is well liked around Pittsburgh. It was stunning when they cut Todd Haley and not Keith Butler. Now the Haley thing, it's been an awesome move. awesome move. Feetmaster has exceeded even um our expectations for his ceiling Steelers. Once again, three for three in the red zone, got back on track with that red zone offense. They're at least second place in the NFL, if not first at this point. And he's made some great improvements, honestly, but Keith Butler, you're right. The colors show once you play against the tr- the, the true quarterbacks and we don't need you to shut down those guys. I'm aware that in the NFL this day and age, and particularly this year, those great offenses, they can't really be shut down. You just kind of hope you get a turnover here or there, but you can at least make it difficult on them. The other big story of this game is the absolute killer. Keenan Allen, top 10-ish receiver in the NFL. And they're one big playmaker still on the field with Melvin Gordon being out of the game. This guy had 14 catches. For nine of his catches, he was covered in single coverage, one-on-one, by a Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker. Over and over again, we had linebackers matched up on Keenan Allen. And when he caught a couple passes on linebackers to start the game, I resisted the urge to tweet because I said, okay, it's the opening drive. You remember how Carolina steamrolled us on their opening drive. They've got some things dialed up. They've confused us. We'll get that fixed. They did not get it fixed all the way into the last offensive player regulation where it was third and four, and the Steelers actually could have stopped them before that field goal attempt, and they threw a little out route And wasted the rest of the clock down because we had John Bostick covering their best player, Keenan Allen. After the game, Bud Dupree and Phillip Rivers pretty much admitted that the Chargers knew the Steelers' schemes. They knew how they played the leverages. Phillip Rivers said that we knew if we could get Keenan inside into the slot that they're going to want to use these zone coverages. Ring a bell, everybody? Zone coverage? We're going to play more man? Nope. Zone coverages and we can get Keenan on their linebacker. So just like Tom Brady has torn us apart using the zone coverage, stupid scheme forever, Phillip Rivers, you're not going to get that by him, and it's just negligent. It just reminds me of when Gronk was uncovered in that game-opening game and Keith Butler's career, and he's brutal. I mean, what the hell is he going to do against the Pats and the Saints? I think
1: uh, the strategy was not zone coverage as much as we are trying to tire him out I'm catching so much.
0: Mm, that's a good game. He, his hands, it could get sore. Maybe Phil is throwing the ball hard. He's excited. It's a primetime game. Precisely. That's a good, that's Tommy ball right there. Well, the only thing with Tommy ball is sometimes you win and sometimes you lose big. And it looks like Butler lost big on Sunday night.
1: Yeah, Bostic. I, I think the uh, LJ Fort being in there was a great strategy. LJ Fort was all over the, sparking the team all over the place. But yeah, John Bostic, that, that was brutal to watch. And I tried to call a play-in, but uh, I was got a busy signal.
0: So let's get back more to the flow of the game. I mean, this whole thing was like a tale of two halves, right? So here's some of the stats. In the first half, the Steelers, well, they started off 3-for-3 three three on third down. They ended up going 0-for-7 on their next third downs. They went 2-for-2 two two in the red zone in the first half, actually ended 3-for-3. Three three, so that's stayed well. That stayed um, above above par. That's much above par. That's really good, 100%. They even got a splash play. Imagine that in the first half. Got a, a special teams play, blocked punt, and the special teams taketh away in the second half, giving up a punt for a touchdown. Av goes over 120 yards in the first half or around 120 yards. Not quite that in the second half. So as as good as the first half was, the second half was just as bad.
1: Um. Yeah. I don't know where you want to go with that. <laughs> I'm just trying right, so to let, get – let, Yeah, let's, let's talk about implications for coming up. We, t- we talked about the, the – I guess we talked about the upcoming games. What do you uh, – what, what do you predict? Like I mean we have to split these last four games?
0: Yeah, you have to at least split them. Um, now, here's the thing. I was so gloom and doom last night and and today and I I still feel that way to some extent cuz we got to we got to be honest with the listeners here. I'm not we're not going to sugarcoat everything, but the the deal is, you know, you have a really good team that outplayed the Broncos, that outplayed the Chargers for most of the game. So is hope totally lost? No, of course not. And with, you know, Ben throwing A, B, and Juju behind that offensive line. There's always a chance, but it's just alarming seeing you finally got such a specific test against an upper echelon offense of which you're going to be seeing two offenses with the Pats and the Saints that are far superior to the Chargers even, you know, you got a test against them. You got it at home, an ideal situation. You failed so miserably, especially with the defensive strategy and the Steelers not being able to take the ball away Forget being able to take the ball away against those teams. We just don't have a guy on defense who can do it besides Joe Hayden. And when Joe Hayden tries to do it, his friends take away the ability. So there's a conspiracy going on here. Here's the thing. Here's what I said earlier. It's just frustrating because when you watch this, it reminds me of our rant that we had after the first Ravens game. It's the same old Steelers. This is the way they lose. It's a good team. It's not a great team. From a talent perspective, they got all the talent in the world on offense, but they're inconsistent. Sometimes they're world beaters, sometimes they disappear. They play almost flawless in the first half, and then they play like crap. They start start three and out, followed by another three and out in the second half, and even their good drives were clunky and, and aided by penalties. They're prone to psychotic defensive game plans, like not covering Gronkowski or only playing zoned against Tom Brady, or covering the other team's best receiver with linebackers. It happens over and over again, and it doesn't get fixed. We had a little mirage this season. Now, will this game help you play against the Saints in the past because maybe it wakes you up and sees what the hell's going on? Quite possibly. We'll see. But, And then there's the issue with the greatest athlete in the history of our time, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he he's – even I have to admit, as much as it pains me, he's been a bit up and down. You know, he either – Plays like a top four QB in this league, or he inexplic- inexplicably <laughs> misses throws that a toddler could make. Maybe not a toddler, but a small child can make it at least. And, and, and the problem is he has no room to be average. We need him to be that top four QB because the Steelers start with worse field position than any other team in the league because the defense can't get quick stops very often and they definitely can't get turnovers so the pressure is on this guy to just put up those 400 yard games with no interceptions all the time so it's just frustrating seeing them lose in 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 the same way that we felt like we've been seeing them lose throughout this killer b era and now you don't have your best defensive player in Shazier from last year and then you know one of your best if not your best offensive player Le'Veon bell and uh, the injury bug finally hit us, so it was a big, it was a big blow. But can the Steelers turn it around if they beat one of those big juggernauts? Of course.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's hard to predict that it'll be able to do it on a consistent basis. Let's let's face it; it is a matter of the Steelers shooting themselves in the foot. Last week it was those penalties. This week, yes, I, I, I you have to say it's a combination of the refs' calls. But it's also penalties again. Special teams penalties. You were saying before that it's almost an automatic But some some receiving team uh, guy re- watching a gunner is going to push somebody in the back. But the, the Steelers seem to do it with a plumb and alacrity. We have uh, consistently terrible field position, like you said, Chris Boswell. Chris Boswell, love Chris Boswell, yeah. but he does seem to be Not depleted. As much as and, a's too. <laughs> right. But as you said, no room for error on the offense because we're not getting any turnovers. And we are committing – I mean, I think we have the penalties basically under control except for the fact we seem to have them at the perfectly wrong time during the game.
0: We do. And, and last year, it seemed like this offense could overcome a holding penalty here or there. Now the holding penalty is like a death sentence for us. You saw the Chargers constantly converting third and long. We started holding them to like 20% on third down, and then that, that percentage came up. But you saw them get second and 14, third and 14, just throwing those dig routes over the middle of the field. But you were mentioning the special teams and the penalties. Well, 24 penalties on special teams for the Steelers, that's the lead league. And I love Switzer as a return guy because I feel like he always gets you – on the kickoffs, he's not as great, but on the punts, he always gets you those 15-yard returns. He doesn't seem like a guy you can break them, but some of those guys were kind of boom or bust. One of our favorites of all time, Antoine randall L. he would either run backwards 10 yards and get tackled or run backwards 10 yards to the side 40 yards to the other side 50 yards. Backwards, a little pirouette, then another 140 yards to get to the end zone, and it's a touchdown. That's nice. But I like how Switzer always gets you the 15. Only problem is, every time we get a return, it comes back 15 yards past the spot where he caught it because someone's always blocking the back. So not only do we get no turnovers on defense, even what we do right on special teams is moved back. And I I don't think two blocks per year on on punt plays should save Danny Smith's job because they're, they're committing these penalties at a much higher rate than anybody else in the league. And, and like we said, there's just no room for error on the offense. They pretty much have to put together 80-plus yard drives over and over again to score. That's why it was so exciting at the beginning of the game when they actually had good field position twice and you saw what happened.
1: So you're cleaning house next year. You're keeping the feet, Master. <laughs> We're getting rid of uh, Butler and Danny Smith.
0: We didn't like them before the season. I thought they should have got rid of them last year. I don't think we're quite at the episode where we'll be talking about stuff like that. I mean, I think the Butler stuff is, this has gone on long enough, hasn't it?
1: But yeah, yeah. I've had it. I, I mean, I'm with you. It doesn't show any creativity. And I don't know if it's a matter of talent. I mean, gosh, when Artie Burns went in there for that two point conversion, oh God. I could have written that script.
0: Oh, this is, oh Artie's in. Yeah, you feel bad for him. I mean, they that's what the Chargers said. They said, Artisan, let's take our 38-year-old tight end who is built at this point like a garbage can. Legend that he is, Antonio Gates, legend. But he basically moves around on the equivalent of garbage can wheels, those little two-by-two two little things, and just sort of – rumbles past Artie as for some reason Artie gets tricked into going to the backfield and then he he shakes right on by him and catches it. I actually sincerely am starting to feel bad for the guy. now, I mean, that's embarrassing what happens to him on national TV on a weekly basis.
1: I want to say that um, we were one for two this week. We did win the first half score because the Steelers uh, were up by more than three and a half points. Unfortunately, that money went right back to the house at the end of the game as far as our our bookie went.
0: Well, we go with the Steelers. We're true fans. And you know who else is true fans? My bookie. They're true fans of you betting with their website, and so are we, because they've got offers for bettors in all major markets, and they offer an entertaining lineup of gaming options that let you bet on prop bets, which are cool. So, like, how many times is NBC... Gonna do a very awkward and close angle on Philip Rivers' face and his strangely boyish haircut that he really needs to cut because it's really creeping me out. No offense, to Rivers. The guy wears a bolo tie and has eight kids. By the way, ninth on the way they just announced. And uh, too many kids, dude. Settle down. What are you doing, to your wife? What What do you think of her? Is she just an incubator for for your seed? This is over the top, buddy. I know you're a cowboy, but jeez. Just make it stop. Maybe she doesn't care, but I haven't heard her interview about all the kids. Either way, my bookie they let you up on those prop bets. They let you bet on fantasy, everything like that, over-unders on game. They got in-game offers, and they have a ton of different generous bonus options, especially if you type in our promo code OUTPOST25. OUTPOST25. So visit MyBookie.ag online today, and don't forget to use that out, that promo code OUTPOST25. Outpost 25. When creating your account, and they'll give you up to one grand in free play. You play, you win, you get paid. And remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with.
1: That can't be any more irritating to the fans than it is to me. I'm going to stop the echo. I think you know our promo code post 25. I also I also want to do a shout-out, and I embed it late in the podcast to make sure these guys listen. So I have a uh, buddy from Pittsburgh, a Taylor Allardyce graduate. Pete, Pete, if you're out there, thanks for listening. Appreciate the feedback you gave us thanks, this Pete. week. Uh, hopefully you made it to 31 minutes uh, because, as I said, I'm testing to see if you actually are listening or just blowing smoke right now.
0: Mm. Hope you're not blowing so smoke, we Pete. Have
1: tr- We have traditionally done our grades. We're going to try something a little different this time. I think the grades, you know, mildly interesting, and it's just our opinion. It's hard to grade these guys, especially on defense. We want to look ahead to next week. We think that's more important.
0: Yeah, we do, and, and you know what? That's a good teaser because there's just one or two more things I wanted to go over about the game. We talked a little bit about the defense before we go into those grades. Usually we do start with the quarterback. I just want to say a few things on Ben before we move on to looking a little bit quickly at the Oakland Raiders game that will be played at, uh, at Oakland Raiders High, um, as I assume, because they are the equivalent of a high school team, so we need to take care of business. But first, I just want to do a little thing on Ben how did Ben play? He's kind of played similar to how he's played during the season. It's very up and very down. I, I sort of encapsulated with this one question with the asterisk, you guys, that Ben Roethlisberger is not just my favorite athlete or not just my favorite entertainer. He's my favorite being no offense to you Dad or mom, but I, it pains me when he does bad. I've watched every snap in this man's career and it's inarguable that this is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but he is very Brett Favre-like in terms of you get some absolutely unbelievable highs that almost nobody else can match from a talent standpoint or production standpoint, and then you get some real head scratchers on the lows. And here's the question that I want to ask is how does the quarterback who misses Hunter so wide open in the end zone, the guy who misses Juju so wide open down the sideline where you can – You can underthrow him and you'll get the yards, do anything. How do you miss those throws? And then you hit that unbelievable touchdown pass to AB when you're scrambling, shuffling, shuffling to your left and fire a 40-yard laser beam in between three defenders and make it look easy to AB catching it in the back of the end zone. By the way, that was a thing of beauty to watch. Also, the the, the catch that didn't stand for A.B. when he got lit up by Derwin James on the sideline, then fit that in between the safety and the corner. Another just absolute laser. I sincerely don't think there are any quarterbacks in the league besides probably Rodgers and Mahomes and and maybe Stafford. got obviously got a rocket arm not playing this well, not playing that well this year. But there's almost nobody who can make those types of throws. But there's just been some lapses this year where Ben misses some wide-open gimmies, and there's really no explanation for it. And like we said, unfortunately, he doesn't have that room for error because the defense won't do anything, particularly in a big game. I mean, when have we seen them get a turnover in a big game? It usually comes against the Browns or something like that. So Ben, with the occasional weird missers, those are affecting us. Otherwise, he made some great plays in the game. And then another interception, the, the lollipop he threw to Vance. He said that it slipped out of his hands. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully it did because it was just horrific. Where it makes you scratch your head. And then he turns around and makes some absolutely unbelievable plays. Yeah. But he's not, so, the, the, he's not the main reason for the loss. There's plenty, right? I, hope I thought that was cathartic. Yeah, well. He'll be back. He'll be back. We know that. And then the last thing, I just want to give a little overview on the offense and this whole no room for error thing. Here's the thing about the offense that drives me crazy. They have all the talent in the world. Are we still looking for a number three receiver, a number three threat? Yes, absolutely. Our boy Vance McDonald has seriously let us down in the past two weeks. He dropped a touchdown last week against Denver. If he had caught that, probably win that game. He dropped the third down at the end of the game this week. That's right in between both of his hands. He's going back to that dropping McDonald reputation that he had before he came here. So Switzer is also in concussion protocol. Eli Rogers might actually be on the field faster than we thought. We'll see what happens. We need someone to, to pick up that slack. We haven't even talked about James Conner today. I'm hearing rumors that he's going to be okay, but we'll find out. Actually, y- y'all probably know if you listen to this on Tuesday after Mike Tomlin's press conference. It looked like a serious injury to his ankle, but hopefully, hopefully it's not bad because we're going to need him.
1: What's but, that leg contusion? And it looked like he was holding the back of his, his ankle. Um,
0: calf yeah. right yeah, yeah i didn't I heard, think it
1: went that low but
0: yeah i don't know what it is but know. obviously but he if he a, out. that's problematic
1: right he had a less stellar game he did have a 4.4 4 yards per carry but that was on the back of a 20 yard breakaway me. so he had 60 yards total
0: yeah and once again he didn't get a ton of opportunities but game situations <laughs> dictate that i mean you're you have to catch up. You're in two-minute dr- – obviously, you're not catching up at the beginning of the game, but I had to do a two-minute drill, and then you're trying to yeah. move the ball at the end of the game. I get it, but I will say, I mean, the running game is not impressive. If you th- I don't want to keep the, the Le'Veon comparisons because it's, it's pointless. I mean, he's not on the team, but I do think you have to look at what the front office does and how it affects the Steelers' season. I don't think they should be let off the hook you know maybe you did need that type of star power. I think it's clear at this point that James Conner is a guy I think you can win a Super Bowl with. He's not Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell never disappeared for four games in a row, right? And I think there are two main qualities that make an offense excellent. And I think the first quality is is having an overwhelming amount of weapons, which is basically what the Steelers had last year or particularly like three years ago when Martavis just came on, when you had Ben, AB, Le'Veon Bell, Martavis Bryant, that offensive line, you had a lot of people where you just can't even cover everybody. It was like the Chiefs before the disgusting and just disgraceful Kareem Hunt videotape that came out before the Kareem Hunt went off. It's like, wow, they got Hill, they got Kelsey, they got Hunt, they got Mahomes, and then even their, their, their backup guys are pretty good, Watkins and, and, and Conley. Well, the Steelers don't really qualify that for that anymore. They got Ben, Juju, and A.B. Not an overwhelming cast. It's a great top-heavy cast, but after that, obviously the offensive line. So the overwhelming weapons thing, we don't really have. And then the second thing is, for a great offense to dominate, you need a schematic or coaching advantage. And I think the Fee has done really well this year, but he's not Sean Payton, he's not Josh McDaniels, he's not Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan or someone like that. So, like I said... Steelers offense doing really well, but sometimes those things I think result in some inconsistency and they got no room for error. We need 40 points to win if you're playing one of these good teams. And if they get anything below that, pray.
1: Well, we're not playing a great team next week.
0: We are playing the worst team next week. However, the only problem is I think everybody circled the Oakland game. I think everybody who's a Steelers fan started double-circling and triple-circling it in red sharpie the more games the Raiders started to lose because the bad Raiders are a bad matchup for the Steelers. No matter how terrible they are, it always seems that we go out to Oakland and lose. I want to say we we beat them the last time we played them in Pittsburgh when A.B. had 17 catches. Huge day. But... The last three times we've been in Oakland, we've lost to them. And the Steelers actually historically are the worst team playing games in California or on the far West coast. There's a study I just read on Twitter. I feel bad that I'm not remembering who put it out. Um, Can't give them credit. So I'll I'll, kind of cut it short there, but Steelers are notoriously bad going out onto the West coast. They're obviously notorious, notoriously bad playing bad teams, but that's where the worries end. I, The Steelers are going to take care of business this week. They are going to, or I will be in trouble mentally. But the Raiders got nothing. They got Derek Carr. He has nobody to throw to. He has a geriatric Jordy Nelson as his main weapon. And actually, Cook, their tight end, who's also another old guy, he's been killing it. But please, they got nothing. Their offensive line is subpar, and their defense is an absolute joke the Steelers need to win this game by 20 points anything less is gonna make you feel crappy going into the Patriots game you need to get some momentum there's not much of a scouting report they're gonna be you know the second or third pick in the draft they're terrible
1: Did you hear that my bookie 20 points
0: what's the line I wonder it's probably not out yet doesn't come out till midweek
1: take a look uh it was a frustrating weekend
0: and yeah, it uh, doesn't weekend. bode
1: well Th- that kind of performance. Playing if we if we can't beat Philip Rivers, what are we going to do against Tom Brady, Drew Brees, no less? So it is uh, a little bit intimidating. A lot will have to come together. I'm a little worried about the injuries. We kind of stockpiled this last game. Let's hope uh for yeah. Marcus Gilbert comes back. Although, actually, that probably is the least of our problems. The
0: offensive line held up really well. They did, but yeah, admirable. I mean, it's incredible. They played the two best rush uh, pass best pass rushing duos in consecutive weeks and they did fantastic against them. I know Bosa got his sack towards the end, but man, they really held up well. And yeah, it's scary looking at Drew Brees and Tom Brady, but you know these Steelers. They're weird. They play to the level of their opponent and often they can play up to their opponent. I'm not saying that they won't get crushed in New Orleans. It makes me nervous that the game is there, but I could just as well see them winning both games and us coming back here and being like, "Well, I, I guess we're on track." So stay tuned, everybody. Let's hope we crush the Raiders this week and then big week the next week and against well, the Patriots. Uh,
1: I will say the offensive, the defensive line was was a cavalcade of rushing this in this game. I mean, they, they didn't were. get to, they didn't get to ra- Rivers and they didn't rattle them. But did you see the loss, uh, New Orleans loss? I mean, because. Drew Brees was running all night and he could not get set. And that is the key. The Steelers, I mean, especially with two at back. I mean, they are rushing. I mean, we're bringing more than four guys, three and four guys now. But so it's really incumbent on the secondary to cover. But we're getting back there really quickly. And if you can't figure that out, that's our one defensive advantage.
0: That's a great point, and honestly, if you want to look at the glass half full, and maybe I'm reaching a little bit on this, but there could be some truth to it. Philip Rivers is a psychopath. Like I mentioned earlier, he has nine kids, way too many kids in 2018. I don't know if you've seen the economy. I feel like you're sort of part of the problem right now, Rivers, with the uh, you know, situations we're in globally. But he does not care about getting hit. He's a weirdo. He likes it. He wants to get hit. It was He had a really impressive game. There were so many times when we had him dead in the rights, and he threw the ball knowing that he was going to get crushed after that. Tom Brady's not a huge fan of that. Tom Brady's great at stepping up in the pocket. When you have great edge rushers, it doesn't do anything. You have to collapse it from the inside. And Drew Brees, he gets the ball out in about .8 seconds. So we'll see if we'd be able to get to him. But you're right. That, the, the offensive and defensive lines looked great. Chris Collinsworth pointed that out when the Steelers were crushing them. It's just a matter of the, the, the lines, the trenches of the Pittsburgh Steelers dominate the other team, and you do have that going forward. And the injuries, it's not good, but none of them are catastrophic. It looks like hopefully we get good news on Connor, and uh, there's always a puncher's chance with this, with this uh, soap opera Cinderella Steelers team. And with number seven under center, baby. Let's go.
1: You've heard what we think. Tell us what you think. Hit us, hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the website, SteelersOutpost.com. Shoot us an email at Outpost at gmail.com. And let me just say, we have a brand new shiny toy to unveil this evening <laughs> in the form of the Steelers Outpost instagram page
0: yeah baby it's we sweet. have our
1: first post and we intend to post some very provocative entertaining videos and you will see the first one because right. uh nick stayed home sick from work today sick air quotes no kidding you are under the weather both not just from the loss but uh heavy allergies down there in houston so he, he was really laid awesome. up but it did give us the hopefully nobody from work's listening but you did put together <laughs> a magnificent inaugural video i hope everybody gets out there to see it
0: well, we are open to all suggestions for that Instagram page. The impetus for us making that is we only have time really to get together on Monday nights to get you guys the podcast by Tuesday. But we wanted to be able to sort of communicate the morning after a game or maybe maybe the night of. That's not a good idea because you don't want to talk to me at that point. I gotta process the emotions before I can get positive. But uh yeah, I think it's just another good way for us to interact with you guys. And hopefully give some quick hitters. Mainly that's what we might be using it for Monday mornings after the game to get some thoughts up before you get to hear the pod that comes out on Tuesday. We're open to all and any suggestions. And like he said, it's going to be provocative. I'll tell you that much.
1: Wow. Followers are starting to ping as I'm watching the, the dashboard here on Instagram. Great. And uh, please give us your feedback.
0: At Steelers so until next week.
1: At Steelers Outposts. So until next week, go Steelers.
0: Okay, bye-bye. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing.
2: I'm so glad you made it